Okay, would you welcome Rob North? Thank you for being here, Rob. Come and join us today. It was the middle 80s, and the uh, missionary evangelist was none other than Harmon Schmelzenbaugh. Harmon had this great ability uh, at a revival. Thousands would come, and hundreds would flood the altar to ask Jesus into, his, into their lives. Amen? And uh, Harmon, there in Nairobi, Kenya, where he was a brand new missionary at the time, he, uh, he was sharing this vision with his leadership. The vision was to have a university planted in Kenya. Uh, it was one of only two nations on the continent of Africa that would allow a private university to function. And uh, he has come from Swaziland where his family were missionaries and they had built elementary schools, primary schools and junior highs and colleges there in Swaziland. So this was something he knew and he had this dream. So in 1985, he goes to the General Assembly in Anaheim, California for the Church of the Nazarene and paints this vision. Uh, After that occurred... Uh, There was a groundswell and people started to support this. Uh, This is the field where Africa Nazarene University would become a university. It started as a Bible college. And uh, so in this land, there were hundreds of teams that started to come to form what would become Africa Nazarene University. Uh, In the Bible school, they were training pastors and they were training uh, leaders to go and spread the gospel in East Africa. By 1994, we got official approval from the Kenyan government to start as a university. Amen? 66 students, three majors. You could get an undergrad in religion, you could get an undergrad in business administration, and you could get a master's in religion. And uh, through the years, congregations like yourself have given to what they call the World Evangelism Fund. Also, uh, Alabaster Fund, right? And uh, so these teams would come and help to build this university. We've had over 150 teams up to this point. And your district, the Philadelphia district, has come on more than one occasion to help us along the way. And we're so thankful for your giving uh, to this fund so that both your local community and globally uh, we can spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Well, uh, hundreds of teams have come and through the years... It has grown year after year. We're now 28 years old, and the campus looks like this. Amen? So we now have over 3,000 to 4,000 students every term. This last term, the January term, was 3,300 students in 27 different majors from 27 different countries last term, right? Very, very wonderful uh, my wife and I serve at African Nazarene University. Uh, some of you are bummed that my wife is not with me. Well, guess what? She actually will be with me today, okay? Uh, via recording, but she'll be with me, all right? 
and you'll get to, to see her there. But we're able to serve there because of your faithfulness. So I want to encourage you as you think about Faith Promise, as you think about giving to the World Evangelism Fund, would you think about families like our own that are able to serve because of your faithfulness? Amen? Well, we're here in the east part of Africa. This is called the Horn of Africa. Can you see the rhino's horn right here? actually have an eyeball there. That's Djibouti, the country of Djibouti there. We're right here. This is, Af- this is Kenya, and we're right on the equator. You would think that would not matter, but we are about a degree south of the equator here in Nairobi, Kenya, and it does. We have winter in June and July. We're in the middle of winter in Kenya. That looks like 55 degrees and raining, right? And you would see people in fur parkas, They think it's that cold, right? But a normal day is 70 to 80 degrees, amen? 20% humidity, we're at a mile high, so that temperature is not as high as what the coast would be, right? Or in Western Africa there. So we live in an ideal place. If you normally would go to Florida or Arizona or someplace like that, I've got a spot for you to come to, amen? Come volunteer at Africa Nazarene University. It'll it'll be a time for you there. All right? Well, we were impacted by COVID. On the 12th of March, we have our first official case of COVID coming and being registered there. The challenge was that it wasn't just in Kenya. It was a mile away from us, right? Our biggest challenge is that most of our students, faculty, and staff all commute. They're all riding in matatus, which are the buses, the tuk-tuks, the little three-wheeled vehicles. You should only have like three people, and they put five, right? (laughs) And we knew that they would be packed into these uh, buildings or these uh, vehicles to come to school. So my wife and I serve on the management board. We were called into a crisis meeting. And we had to make the very, very tough decision to stop face-to-face classes and send all of our students home. 27 nations is hard to get our students to. We went ahead of the curve and closed down before the nation closed down, and we're able to get most of our students home, amen? But the challenge was, how do you end the term, right, How are you able to do learning without the tools that you need to do learning, right? Uh, That was our biggest, biggest challenge. Most do not have computers, and even the places that they're from, they don't have access, right? We have word that students were were typing their final papers with their thumbs on their cell phones, You students, how would you like to write papers on your cell phone with your thumbs? No way, right? Uh, And I realized, anyways. So, um, we also sent them home to villages without access to electricity, some of them. Also, access to Wi-Fi. So, we were really challenged with our students during that January term, finishing it out, Um, So the only tool that most students had was a cell phone, right? And so we were thankful for that. They were communicating with their lecturers through things like WhatsApp and things of that nature and able to communicate 
and finish out the term. Our May term comes. It was a full-on term normally, but they weren't able to do that. No face-to-face. The nation was closed down. So they were only able to attend classes if they had a laptop or if they had access to Wi-Fi, right? Our September term comes again, nation lockdown. So we share with our students, hey, you normally come on campus. You uh, spend money on room and on board to be there with us. Why don't you take that money that you would normally spend on room and board and buy a computer? This will help you in life. You need a computer once you graduate anyways. So why don't you use it while you're taking classes? So we found companies that would do uh, like a two-year payment plan. Isn't that cool? And uh, so they were able to, over the course of the next two years, purchase this computer, use it, but actually have a payment plan. We even found some very interesting technology happening. We had NGOs, non-government organizations that were launching balloons up to 65,000 feet to beam down a cell phone signal. Pretty cool, right? I often say I have a home in Olathe, Kansas, that, that um, when I'm walking across, right, the living room, I drop a call. I can be out in the middle of nowhere in Kenya now and literally have four to five bars. It's awesome, right? I don't know what's wrong here, but that's life, right? (laughs) Well, even with all of those uh, wonderful things happening, we were still only able to have about two-thirds of our students come back and attend classes during that fall term there. And uh, so that is the biggest challenge. What we envisioned before even now was this 21st century classroom. We were hoping to have students both in the classroom and also students from afar. So we take a common classroom like you see here and we convert it to a high-tech classroom. Why? Why would we do that? Well, most of our students, English is their fourth or fifth language. That's pretty humbling, isn't it? Can you imagine writing a scholarly paper in a language that's not your mother tongue, right? Being graded and, you know, ruthless, right? Uh, Also, the challenge is that their final grades, right, the final exam test counts for 65% of their final grade. That's pretty strong, too. So recording these classes will enable our students to flesh out their notes and to make sure that they get all of the knowledge that they want. So I would love for you to pray about what what could your church or what could this district do in the area of maybe helping us with one of these 21st century classrooms. They range from about $5,000 all the way up to $50,000. So be thinking about that during our time together. Well... Oops, I'm going to back up here. Okay, so let me, let me go into this next two slides. So the, oops, I did it again. Back, there we go. That's what we want. Uh, in our uh, October time during that year in 2020, we had graduation. We weren't able to have that face-to-face but we were able to record some key po- uh, parts of that. So I have a uh, worship team, the alumni worship team, that I'm going to show you that video really good. 
And then my wife is going to come and share a story with you. You know, in the past, you could never do that, right? But with our uh, COVID uh, plunge, we were, we, we, we've had to watch things at times. You're going to watch a movie tonight, right? So uh, my wife is going to come after the music video and share, and then I'll come up and land the plane. Here we go. I see all things are working for my good. Yeah, he's intentional, never failing. I see all things are working for your good. Yeah, he's intentional, never failing. I see He's intentional. He's intentional. Never feeling. Never feeling. I see. All things are for my good. Cause he's intentional. He's intentional. Never feeling. we serve on that and as many many of you have become accustomed to in the last year we were all meeting on zoom on our computer and rob and i were in different rooms as we were continuing that meeting i suddenly was getting urgent messages from a counselor on campus at anu and the messages were coming through he said i've been meeting with jessica and i'm using the name confidentially that's not her real name but i'm going to refer to her as jessica he said uh, this student he said i've become convinced that we're not dealing with psychological psychosis or trauma or schizophrenia but instead he believed he was dealing with demon possession he said uh, i think we need to meet together in your office to pray with jessica 
Well, much of Africa is steeped in traditions where animism is practiced. If you're not familiar, animism is the belief that all objects and living things possess a soul or a spirit. Ancestral worship was also part of traditional African religions where the deceased ancestors are believed to influence the lives of the living relatives. You can see that the African context definitely is spiritually focused. But much of this belief of the traditional religion is focused on how to manipulate the powers that be to get one's personal desires fulfilled. I hope that's not how we do it. Sometimes it might be. There's also a great fear of being cursed. So witch doctors, much like you see here on the screen, are touting great claims to power to make a difference for them. You know, child sacrifice is still an issue where we are in Africa, along with abuse and human trafficking. At ANU, we are desiring to be that place of hope and healing and transformation for the youth of Africa. What begins here transforms the world is our motto that our students learn from their beginning days at ANU. Our students, faculty, and staff know there's a calling to serve others because we live in the joy and the light of Christ's love. Sister universities like Mid-America... Treveca, Eastern, Southern Nazarene University, and Northwest have all come bringing teams to work alongside our own students in ministering to our communities. Our students are changed forever by these experiences and become lifelong friends with their students from here. And other students coming to the university, those students coming are transformed as well as our own students are transformed from those experiences. I'm here to testify that it was an experience during my college years, a cross-cultural experience in Washington, D.C. that changed the trajectory of my life and what God's calling was for me. And it's an important time that can happen. It's a joy when we have those experiences. And it's our desire at ANU to be found doing the will of the Father. Jesus models and demonstrates the will of the Father through his love and deliverance from sin, which brings wholeness and healing in our lives like we were singing about this morning. We desperately need the reminder today that God's love and righteousness triumphs over hate and evil. We need that every corner of the globe right now. This work and mission of our Father God is still needed in these evil days that we're facing. So let us serve him. As he tells us in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Therefore, it's our invitation as Christ followers to be ready at all times to share and give the hope that lies within us as we are about the Father's business. After getting that urgent call of message that was coming to me that in the middle of the day in January, 
I excused myself from the meeting and headed to my office where we were also joined by one of our associate chaplains, Pastor Sean. And after a time of getting to understand something of Jessica's background, she began to exhibit a trance-like state where she lost control of her body. Our prayers of intercession and deliverance stretched out over three hours until victory came through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's give God praise. Yes. And for that, we do give God praise as he accomplished his mission in Jessica that day. What I would choose to share with you of this freedom story is focused more on what I believe the Holy Spirit was showing me and giving me and has even since that day, the reflections that I have learned. And I want to do that and not highlight the enemy, but really focus on what the Holy Spirit is doing. I knew nothing. The Holy Spirit knew everything that needed to happen in this situation. It was humbling for me. I had not been able to do this face-to-face, one-on-one, in terms of a deliverance. I had seen it in a church I had been a part of in South Africa, but the person was taken away and dealt with in a separate. Some of you might have experienced it. I believe we definitely have it here in North America as well. But I knew the Holy Spirit knew what to do. And so our immediate prayers were, Holy Spirit, take control. You guide the situation. And the second thing was that when we're completely trusting in Christ Jesus, we need never fear. Even though I had not dealt with this, and it seemed like an overwhelming kind of situation, I did not fear. I knew God was in control in the situation. How many times does he tell us, do not fear? In a world, especially in the last year, that has been so oppressed by fear everywhere, we need to hear it over and over again. Do not fear. God is by your side. And he says it clearly here in 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Do you believe it today? We, we need to restore that if we've forgotten it, and I hope you will. And the third thing that the, the Holy Spirit was teaching me is that the work of the Holy Spirit is to call to our minds what we need to remember in the moment we are in. We may not have that grace in the moment before or the moment afterwards, but we'll have it in the moment we're in. You realize that. You can depend on the fact that the Holy Spirit will give you what you need in that moment. And I was depending on that. Uh, John 14, 26 says it so clearly right here. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that you need to hear. In one moment, uh, scriptures were coming forth 
overflowing. And then the next moment, it was a lyric to a hymn that I hadn't heard for maybe 30 years that was coming forth. And then in the next moment, it was a direction in prayer. And the three of us praying over her, it was a gentle flow. Certainly the Holy Spirit was controlling it that whole three hours. And near the end, it was hearing the words come out of my mouth. Literally, it would happen. I didn't even have time to think. The Holy Spirit would just be speaking. And what I heard coming forth was, Jessica, is there any unconfessed sin in your life? And then about 10 minutes later, there was just guttural, wrenching cries coming out of her and confession coming forth. Sin that had been stuck inside and it was controlling her. How much is that true? Possibly even in our lives. There's still something we've not taken care of that needs to be released before God. He can heal He can deliver. And that day, Jessica was having to choose whom she would serve, and she did. And God did a work. The fourth thing is that putting trust in anything other than God means we're opening the door to our great enemy. It's common among even many worshipers in Kenya to also visit the witch doctor and have charms and idols in their home. The prevalence of false Christian prophets and teachers in the cultures of East Africa is so pervasive. One such pastor had impacted Jessica as her demonic invader revealed to us his name as being the same of that as her pastor back home. This was not a Nazarene pastor, but nevertheless, the truth is here that there are those who are stepping into a place of a pulpit in a church building who are in cahoots with the enemy and leading people astray. The fifth thing is that the last, this, this aspect that I just mentioned to you is so um, crucial for us. There's a great, great need for strong discipleship to Jesus Christ in training our pastors and leaders. The problem is quite large. As the community of Christ, we all value strong discipleship because it will make the difference on how our communities are formed to serve Christ. This is why we have a process in the Church of the Nazarene called ordination, where our leaders are discipled and trained and then blessed by our church leadership to continue faithfully in their calling to serve others. Could you imagine with me being in a church and not having an ordained pastor or even a minister in training there, just a leader in the church? And can you imagine maybe what kind of teachings might be coming forth? That there might be confusion there. Well, I want you to see this, the statistics for us. For the whole region of Africa, we have 8,500 churches among the, the Church of the Nazarene in Africa. But we only have 1,800 ordained clergy in Africa. And there are only 1,500 district licensed ministers 
and there's only a thousand local church licensed ministers. That's that process we're talking about. It starts in the local church. So if you were feeling called to minister, to preach, you would come before your pastor and your church board, and that's where it would start. So there's a thousand who have just started the training process. There are 1,500 who might be a little bit closer, who are getting closer to the ordination process, but there's only 1,800 who have actually fully been ordained and commissioned to go forth. So if you add those up quickly, 1,800, 1,500, and 1,000, do you come anywhere close to 8,500? A little bit of updated statistics. Uh, in the last couple months, we have had an ordination service there on the campus of Africa Nazarene University. 53 people were ordained, amen? Uh, and so we are very, very thankful for that. Um, Eugenia Duarte is our general superintendent. He's originally from Cape Verde. Um, we just heard word that his son passed away in the last two days. So you can be praying for them. Uh, he was with us during that ordination service. Amazing, amazing event to be a part of. He had two other ones on the continent during the time that we had that. Uh, but would you pray for the, the Duarte family uh, as we're thinking and praying for them there? Well, I'm going to land the plane here. There's basically three things I want you to focus on as you walk away, right? Uh, number one is the importance of prayer. Uh, would you commit to pray for Africa Nazarene University? Uh, we need prayer more than we need anything else. My wife would tell you that during that time that she was uh, working with Jessica, she could feel the Holy Spirit's presence and know that people were praying for her. Amen? So there's wristbands and stickers on that table. If you take one of those, maybe you make a commitment. Every month, I'll pray for Africa Nazarene University or, or maybe once a week. You take that wristband, you wear it that day. When you see it on your arm, you pray for Africa Nazarene University. Or you take a sticker. You place that sticker on your fridge. At midnight, when you're going to the fridge and getting your midnight snack, right? It's about 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning for us, right? And you could remember us as we begin the day and the need to, to guide and disciple 3,500 students. That's amazing, is it not? Uh, God has given us this platform, this, this ability to be able to do that. But would you pray for us? I also have prayer cards. Some of you like to remember missionaries. And we have cards that you can take with you that has our picture on it. And you can put it in a place where you'll remember us and pray for us. We need your prayers. Number two is the aspect of giving. So pray, now give. Your giving to this local church enables the Church of the Nazarene to send missionaries like Cindy and I. And we're so thankful that you give to this local church. Through Faith Promise, you make a commitment beyond your normal tithe to especially send missionaries to other parts of the world like Cindy and I. And so I want to encourage you as you think about this year going forward, what would you commit to pray for missions so that others would hear? Uh, I would especially love for you to put uh, Africa Nazarene University on that giving list. We really have struggled over the course of the last year and a half 
because of the challenges that are going before us. You saw the statistics of our need of training pastors. If you would commit to giving on a monthly basis or quarterly or once a year to Africa Nazarene University, grab one of the yellow and red cards that you see on that table. One side talks about giving through a check. The other side talks about an online giving, has a QR code. And if you have a smartphone, you can take a picture of that code and it will go straight into a giving site. We have a brand new uh, African Nazarene University Foundation and the Church of the Nazarene is asking all donations to ANU to go through that site and everyone gets 10% credit toward the church that's giving. But I would love for you to commit and be willing as a church body or maybe a Sunday school class or a family foundation to give over the course of the next year uh, so that African Nazarene University can reach more for Christ and also ordain more elders there for the church. And the last thing is go. Uh, I would love for your church to send a team to African Nazarene University to do one of these teams or one of these rooms, right? To take one of these common classrooms and make it a high-tech classroom. Uh, I would love to see that in the next year or two or three years. Also the district. So maybe it's not just all on your congregation. Maybe the district will sponsor a team. That's my hope. And I'm, I'm serious about the aspect of volunteering. Some of you have skills. You're a, you're a carpenter. You are a mason. You are a plumber. You are an electrician. We can use your gifts where we are. But some of you say, I have none of those skills. Well, can you make cookies or brownies? I believe in brownie evangelism. Amen? Our students love treats, right? Uh, so while one of you might be coming as a tech person, the other could be coming and getting to know our students, coming to our morning prayer times, our afternoon Bible studies, and walking alongside our students who need the love of Jesus. Amen? So if you come... Oh, wow, that just went through three different ones. Okay, uh, I can guarantee you if you send a team, there's lots of painting to do. And... Uh, Prayer, praying with our students at any given occasion is super important. You'll meet some of the best people there. Uh, we'll take you to some of the most interesting restaurants on the planet. Uh, my wife believes that she is the giraffe whisperer, okay? So you can come, watch her whisper to nature, right? <laughs> and uh, lastly, there's nothing, and I mean nothing. There should be sound here, guys. There you go. Yeah, Mama, Mama Elephant was not very happy we were in her way, right? But there's nothing like an African safari. Uh, so God bless you. Uh, this is the la one of the last teams that have come, and they actually were from Northeast uh, Indiana District. They had come, done the logos that you saw them painting on there. We're starting in July with a brand new team from the Michigan District coming we would love for you all here on the Pennsylvania district to, or on the Philadelphia district, to send a team or send a team from this church. God bless you and thank you. Thank you, Rob. That is a great update on African Nazarene University, one of the schools that our church uh, has helped 
I don't mean our local church. I mean the Church of the Nazarene world has helped to train people for ministry, and what an effective and neat story that has been. I'm so glad for that update. That is fantastic. We're going to receive an offering for deputation for um, uh, Rob and Cindy. We are so grateful. They do travel a lot to raise money so they can be in Africa. You know that some missionaries, Nazarene, supported completely by World Evangelism Fund. Some are uh, supported partially, but they also raise their funds, and that's the category that Rob and Cindy are in, and we're grateful for that. That means that they do a lot of travel when they're not at ANU, and uh, we would just love to support them. We are grateful for your ministry, Rob, and, and pray for Africa. This is a great little uh, uh, reminder of what's going on there and the challenges that are there and the ministry that's there and how significant that school is for the continent of Africa. Uh, if I remember last, there's more Nazarenes in Africa than any, any continent on earth, I believe. If I, if I remember that right, yeah. And uh, a lot more Nazarenes in Africa than the United States. And uh, their needs are great. And we have an opportunity to be a world church and be involved in that. So thank you. If you'd like to go to ANU, go to Africa, uh, boy... Wouldn't it be fun to get that done? I know some of you have been to a lot of places, and uh, I think Scott's been in that area. And, uh, boy, uh, a, lot of, a lot of ministry to be done. If, if uh, God puts that in your heart, let's talk about it. Let's make that happen. Wouldn't it be great if we could send a team to, uh, to Nairobi? Uh, that would be great. Well, think about it. Maybe God would put that on your heart, and you'd say, boy, I would, I would like to be a part of this. I'd like to be able to support the work of the church in Africa as they train pastors there. That would be fantastic. We're going to receive an offering at this time. Thank you so much for being here uh, today. Going to invite you to come. Again, the plate's in the front, the back, and I think still on the side. Let's do our best to support Rob and Cindy. We are grateful uh, their time and their lives that they have given to build the Church of the Nazarene and, and to, to, to train pastors, and what a great ministry. Let's stand and pray and then invite you if you can be a part of that. Uh, again, um, this afternoon we're going to be doing uh, Bible school preparation, then visitation. If from 2 to 5 you'd like to help, man, I would love to get 50 people knocking on doors in Miffenburg. I tell you, we did this yesterday, and I was personally reminded again of how important personal invitation is to people and people that were responsive. And I think, wow, we ought to be doing this a lot. We ought to be inviting people and knocking on their door and telling them we care about you. Boy, that should be the message of our church. And uh, I'd love for you to go today. If you can and you want to give an hour or three hours or 20 minutes to knock on some doors, let us know that. Boy, there's room for you. There's a lot of doors in Mifflinburg. And wouldn't it be nice if we could just say to people we care about you and uh, invite them to Bible school and to other things too. So uh, if not today, another day. I'm sure another day is going to come up, and, and I'm going to be talking about that. So uh, if you can, thanks for being a part of it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the ministry of Africa Nazarene University. We see this as such a fruitful area of preparing ministers to serve in countries all over Africa and maybe other places too. Just hearing him talk about 27 countries that students are from and each one of them as they go through that process and the training and then they go back to their countries and they become leaders and they 
they uh, they uh, preach and and uh, disciple and more people come to faith and the desire to preach the gospel. We're thankful for that ministry and we're thankful for Rob and Cindy. Pray God that you would lead them and guide them and watch over them and bless them. And uh, Lord, be so near to these precious people, I pray. Thank you for this day today. Thank you for every person that's been here. Go with them. And God, help us as we get ready for Bible school, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being here. God bless.